President Ramaphosa at the Zondo Commission, Madupi explosion and South Africa's middle class continues to shrink. All of that and more in this week's episode of Free Marketeers News. Here with the news for the week ending 13 August 2021. South Africans are now in the poorest 40% of the world. This is according to economist Mike Schussler. Compared to the world average, South Africa's GDP per capita plummeted in 2019 and 2020, and its citizens are now in the poorest 40% of the world. Uh, Mike Schussler said that between 19 and 20, South Africa's relative GDP per capita, when compared to the world average, dropped by the biggest margin since 1994. Schussler said, and I quote, South Africans now have just under 71% of the income that average people living in the world have, end quote. He said South Africans are now firmly in the poorest half of the world of world GDP per capita ranking, 107th out of 191 countries. If we do the same and that we did in the last 30 years, South Africa will not be inside the top 125 countries on the planet. And South Africans are now in the poorest 40% of the world population. By 2040, we may be in the poorest 20%. Moving on, South Africa's July business confidence dipped after the bout of violence and unrest. The slight dip in business confidence in July was less severe than expected following the riots and looting that engulfed Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal last month and caused billions of rands of damage. The South African Chamber of Commerce and Industries monthly measure of confidence among local enterprises fell to 93,2 in July from 96,2 in June. The July figure was the lowest reading since last October, but was far from the all-time low the index hit in 2020, soon after the COVID-19 virus arrived in South Africa. Madupi explosion sabotage has been ruled out, but the 2 billion rand repair um, price could fall on energy customers. Before midnight on a Sunday, 8 August, the Madupi power station experienced an explosion at the Unit 4 generator, resulting in extensive damages to the unit. The cause of the explosion is not yet known, and an investigation into how the blast occurred is underway. The cost to repair the damage at Madupi's Unit 4 could cost between 1,5 billion rand and 2 billion rand, and it could take up to two years to fix the unit. This is a major setback for the power station that already faces cost overruns and delays in completion. The explosion has cost South Africa 700 megawatts in lost in, in energy generating capacity at Madupi, which has become the most expensive coal-fired power station in the world to construct, with an estimated capital cost of at least 120 billion rand so far. After all, the explosion happened a few days after ESCOM announced that the construction of Madupi had been completed. On Thursday this week, more than two months after the president announced that the cap for embedded generation without an onerous licensing process would be raised from 1 megawatt to 100 megawatts, Minerals and Energy Minister Gwede Mantashe set the rules in stone in the Government Gazette. The expectation is that these embedded generation projects will mostly be sourced from green energy, reducing the carbon footprint of South African industry, which is crucial to maintain global market share. The hope is that it will bring in job-creating investments as such projects get off the ground and, of course, wean South Africa off its dependence on the state-enforced monopoly that is ESCOM. The newly gazetted regulations exempt embedded generation projects up to 100 megawatts from having to apply for licenses from the National Energy Regulator of South Africa, or NERSA. It remains to be seen how all this pans out, but the move towards power generation outside ESCOM's shambolic embrace is at least underway. 
The schedule did raise more questions of clarity regarding self-generation, the application of, we of wheeling and trading, and how the inclusion of energy storage to generation projects will affect the requirements. The notice stipulates that though operations generating 100 megawatts of electricity will not have to be licensed, they will have to comply with the code and other authorizations and must be registered with NERSA. Finally, President Ramaphosa appeared before the Zondo Commission again and he talked. He told Acting Chief Justice Raymond Zonda how he fought behind the scenes during the years of when state capture played out in South Africa. After two days of tough questioning at the Commission, President Ramaphosa declared that his silence as South Africa's Deputy President during the excesses of Jacob Zuma's administration should not be interpreted as complicity. Uh, he also backpedaled on his statements made earlier in the commission proceedings that he did not know about state capture, saying, quote, if ever the impression was created that I did not really know, that would be the wrong impression, as there were signposts along the way, end quote. He described his conduct during the Zuma-led administration as strategic and designed to enable him to stay in the system, change what he could, and live to fight another day. Chief Justice Raymond Zondo also commented at the conclusion of Ramaphosa's evidence, saying that, quote, while there might be arguments for and against what was a strategic situation, and it might not be e easy to say which one is right, the fact of the matter is that between 2011 and 2017, the Guptas and their entities were able to access 57 billion rand of taxpayer money, end quote. Zondo's recurring concern during Ramaphosa's testimony was that state capture should not be able to happen again, asking how South Africa could be certain that a different cohort of leaders would not respond to the same situation in the same way. President Ramaphosa said that he felt convinced that state capture would not happen again as the ANC was being renewed and state institutions were being strengthened. He also spoke about the importance of strengthening whistleblowing legislation as those who acted to expose wrongdoing at risk much and, and lost heavily. A dominant concern of the commission has been the ANC's cadre deployment policy about which both Ramaphosa and ANC chair Gwede Mantashe have, failed, have, have faced detailed questioning. Ramaphosa defended the practice of sending cadres to key institutions such as state-owned enterprises, saying it is an acceptable way for a governing party to ensure state functionaries execute the party mandate. So party before country, maybe. He said the ANC's deployment committee made, quote, recommendations, end quote, and did not instruct because state bodies remained the appointing authorities. That's a wrap on the news for this week. I hope you all have a great weekend. I'll see you very soon. Until next time, take care.